You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, I am the show is not legal advice. Instead, the Buzz Off show is a weekly look at all the buzz surrounding autonomous vehicles, drones, and the Internet of Things. So welcome. Find us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 on America's Web Radio. Find podcasts of the show available on iTunes under Lawyer Liz, Google Play, Stitcher, all your favorite streaming services. And as we enter into the heat of summer, we have a couple of hot topics on today's show. After we get through the bust or must run through of the latest technology news, we will be continuing the elections and opinion polling buzz because the Internet of Things isn't just changing the home, how we drive, how we interact, the ads and the marketing. But the Internet of Things is also impacting, well, our elections. And not in a Russian hacking cybersecurity way, but in how pollsters and opinion polls campaigns reach and find their data and how they can catch the pulse of voters. So we'll be welcoming to the show Matthew Towery, the managing partner of Opinion Savvy. That Opinion Savvy is a polling and opinion research company that, as opposed to all the hype you hear coming out of D.C., are getting it right. So We'll discuss with Matthew some of the ways the industry is changing and where he sees the Internet of Things going from here. But before that, we're still getting through the digging through the election breakdown or post-election breakdown where Russians are getting perhaps a little more credit than even the American voters with at least 21 states now reporting some, we'll call it interference, but influence perhaps of the election systems. And it'll all continue to unfold as well as another unfolding event that is currently going through, which is the Petya ransomware that it originated or first started showing up in the Ukraine, has spread to Europe and the U.S., and a lot stands to be known, unlike the WannaCry, where had a system been patched at the beginning, then it may not have fallen uh, victim to this. Uh, Petya is having a multi-prong or multi-approach attack, and so all still playing out to be seen and until then uh, while it's too hot to talk about all the nuances of Petya it is also too hot a current bust for the thermometer as well as for Plains and Phoenix because the record setting heat wave in Phoenix 
managed to ground several flights at the airport. When it gets too hot, planes, unless you have the longer runways, planes can't reach the speed they need to get up in the air. So a bust for Phoenix, and as one commentator noted online, at least the airport has air conditioning. Well, while the airport may have air conditioning, the president has also been having indoor meetings with drone industry representatives as well as other technology companies. And coming out of his latest meetings, he met with drone companies including Precision Hawk, Airmap, Kespri, Measure, even had a drone demo, but the drone companies are, or drone industry companies are pushing for less regulation as well as, uh, in the airspace, as well as regulation over, uh, 5G with the wireless companies as well. So it's still waiting to be seen whether that's going to be a bust or must, but, Less regulation to spur innovation is not necessarily a bad way to go. And, of course, you can't talk about spurring innovation without getting into our next uh, must topic. And kudos and a tip of the hat to the Girl Scouts because they have announced rolling out in 2018 their Girl Scouts will be eligible to uh, achieve or receive 18 different cybersecurity badges. The Girl Scouts are recognizing the gap in skills and call it a way to celebrate scientific discovery. So good luck to the ladies as they start getting those badges. And unfortunately, the Girl Scout cookies still do not contain real Girl Scouts. So moving from one must to a bust, though, while Girl Scouts are soaring, DJI has a new feature that will keep you from soaring unless you've registered with their, with DJI as well as making sure you have the quote-unquote latest software version. If not, then... DJI will deactivate, severely limit where you can fly with their aircraft. They'll cut off the live stream feature for your aircraft as well as limit you to a 50 meter radius and 30 meter flight altitude, which there may be some cases where you don't want the latest firmware. Perhaps the there's a glitch that would otherwise impact some of your other software, but too bad. That's a big old bust from DJI. Hopefully that will get updated sooner rather than later. Another thing that is up in the air, but currently a bit of a bust, is the Drone Slayer lawsuit that uh, some of you may remember the gentleman in Kentucky who decided he did not like where his neighbor's drone was flying, and so he shot it out of the air. Well, the federal lawsuit where the drone operator had, in my opinion, correctly pointed out that 
look, I was flying in airspace that was regulated by the FAA. I was otherwise lawfully flying and shouldn't have shot my aircraft out of the air because the NTSB and the FAA have declared that, yes, the drones are aircraft. Well, in this case, it was knocked, shot out of the courtroom on a technicality, but at the same time, leaving the issue unresolved that who controls that airspace. In this case, it was raising the airspace as a defense, was anticipating that or a countermeasure to what the original homeowner would use as a defense to shooting the aircraft and that you were trespassing, so therefore had a right to shoot. They said, well, you can't anticipate a defense and not the time, not the place. This is just a regular uh, tort claim. So not appropriate for the federal court. So in other words, stalled overhead, not necessarily a bust or a must just yet, but something that hasn't stalled is Snapchat. Snapchat has unleashed their latest feature that's causing quite a few eyebrows to raise because as we spoke on previous buzz off shows on the cultural shift from having to opt in to have to your data being collected to now it's being opting out that the assumption is is that we can we being the companies can track and collect and gather as they see fit. Well, in this case, Snapchat has enacted their Snap Map feature that unless you opt out, then uh, it places your Bitmoji avatar on a map, tracks you in real time down to your street address. So hopefully... It's accurately tracking your location because that would be awfully awkward if Snapchat placed you at the house next door and not where you actually were. Because as we've talked about on Buzz Off before, that is a valid concern that location data is not always accurate. But once you've updated to the latest version of Snapchat, gone through the setup of the feature, it becomes opt out. So it's also a reminder to go to your device settings uh, in general and turn off the location feature for any app that you don't think needs to have access to it. But parents concerned that their children won't understand all of that and will suddenly be broadcasting their location to folks who shouldn't know. We talk about broadcasting information. Uh, Google has been winning at home, not winning in the EU, but on the fence when it comes to tracking with your ads and your Gmail. So Google gets a little bit of a a must, a bust, as well as a waiting to be seen. So Google has announced that they will no longer track your Gmail for purposes of ads if you're using the private service. So that's a a good starting point. But the EU brought them down a little bit in that they announced a record-breaking, a record-setting fine of 2.4 
billion euro, $2.7 billion for those of us not tracking in Bitcoin and euro. But they fined the Google for violations with the antitrust and basically for how Google ads display and pushing Google ad services or shopping services above others. For example, Yelp complained about this. So we'll wait to see what happens, but it could lead to some changes in Google's both approach as well as how others are looking at the promoted ads. But wasn't all bad news for Google. Google did win at with Google Home in a test of various uh, between Amazon Echo from Google's Home to Apple's Siri. Uh, Google was in a 3,000 question quiz. Google Home was six times more likely than any of the other servers to get it right. So, Google's no longer going to be tracking necessarily your ads based on Gmail, but instead Google and others with the expanded home, how does that going to impact? Well, they're in every aspect of our life. So that disruptive technology and changing trends are what we'll talk about with Matthew when we come back from the commercial break. I'm Lawyer Liz. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Catch us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 in the afternoon on AmericasWebRadio.com or find podcasts of the show available on the website iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcast streaming services. So as we were talking before the break, everything has become connected, that all of our devices are talking to each other. But one of the things a lot of people are starting to shy away from is, well, the landline. I think if I asked one of my niece or nephew to help make a call or dial 911 with a rotary phone, they would look at me as if I had, you know, lost my mind. So how does that affect or impact the 
you know, tried and true professions such as opinion polling and campaigns, as we heard during the most recent presidential campaign, as well as the 6th District special election here in Georgia, everyone had an opinion, and not all of them were right. So for one of the folks who's getting it right and as the website will tell you, a millennial who understands and is tech savvy. We're chatting today with and welcoming to the show Matthew Towery, managing partner for Opinion Savvy. And Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Happy to be here. And I mean, how does it feel to, when it comes to pulling, uh, you're not, you don't have egg on your face? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there were, there were a few of us out there, uh, this time around who don't have egg on our face and did reasonably well, so it feels pretty good. I mean, other than sitting with a crystal ball, it's, uh, people think of polling as, well, you're either getting that annoying call at dinner time or someone standing outside the grocery store coming door to door asking, uh, that's, is that an accurate description of where the industry was before? Well, it's an accurate description of sort of where it is now, even. You know, the industry is very slow to change. And so, yeah, you, you will still get those, uh, those annoying phone calls. Um, not so much the in-person, uh, survey takers, unless it's an exit poll during an election, but, you know, not, not a lot's changed, uh, throughout most of the industry. And part of that's in- institutionalized because the, uh, the established brands and organizations have had one way of doing it for a long time. They've been protecting that sort of methodology with theory. And in some cases now, that theory has fallen apart. That theory has not uh, not held up in the real world. Well, and, and just as Moneyball, I think, was kind of the epitome for a lot of folks of how, the, how baseball changed and mm-hmm. how do you look at sports, what would you say has been kind of the, the money ball moment in polling? I mean, cause certainly, it, or at least for opinion savvy, I mean, you've been around, uh, officially polling for what? Since 2013, 2014? Yeah. Yeah. I think 2014 was really the, the, uh, the real beginning of it all. Um, and coincidentally, that's, when the industry really started to change, uh, the midterm elections in 2014 came as a bit of a surprise to a lot of folks in a lot of states and in a lot of congressional districts. So that was, that was one of the first instances where we saw that the traditional methods of calling folks with a live caller and uh, asking them you know, their vote intentions, that that didn't necessarily hold up in the real world. So fast forward a bit to 2016, and 
we saw some surprising results. Um, the national polls overall were pretty good. They were, by and large, correct. The uh, statewide polls were a mixed bag. And overall, we saw no correlation between uh, live caller, the accepted traditional methodology, and other new methodologies that use uh, various techniques to try and engage with folks who sometimes otherwise might not want to speak to someone or might not want to answer the phone in the first place. Well, and from the information security aspect, we would call that the social engineering, Mm -hmm. the uh, crafting new ways to get the information. So what you're saying is that opinion savvy had to become opinion hackers? I don't know if I'd say that necessarily, but, you know, we did, we did seek to, uh, not hack, but, uh, but to actually reach the folks that typically are difficult to reach, younger people, minorities, that sort of thing, um, and in doing so, trying to get a sample that's actually representative of the studied group, uh, you know, the, the uh, selected universe that, that we're looking at. So, yeah, not, not necessarily hacking, but certainly making it, attempting to make it more convenient for, for these people who otherwise probably won't pick up the phone to make their opinions known. Well, and it's an important part, too, because several of the campaigns craft their platform and which issues they're going to speak about or highlight based yeah. on the research. And if the research isn't there, then you you don't get an accurate read for what yeah. your district may care about. Totally. And now, of course, the first question is, do y'all have a landline in your home? No, absolutely not. When was the last time? I don't want to get calls from pollsters all day. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, when do you think was the last time most, I mean, I'd say it's probably been about 10 years since I either picked up the phone at the home phone. And, you know, I've never had one outside of my, you know, my parents' house. So, uh, yeah, I did. I don't know the last time that I, that I picked one up inside house and neither of them now have a, uh, a landline. <laughs> we still call, we still dial landlines because it's still an important part of the process. We still need to reach the older, typically older, uh, demographics. Um, and then in a lot of cases also rural um so, so yeah yeah we still have to still have to dial out to landlines that's definitely a, a major component um but we nobody can rely on that alone these days well, no, and you you raise an interesting point with the rural communities I mean, where you don't have the fast, in some cases, broadband or other, even cellular access. Is it reliable? Is it always accurate? Yet they're still voting and they're still 
they still have opinions to express. So how do you identify the, you know, kind of the mix, the old with the new? Well, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I segment them though. Um, you know, I typically those, uh, I, I will have a sample that consists of landline for those over the age of 45. And, or the, Ooh, I'm sorry. I made the cut below that. <laughs> yeah, those over the age of 45. And, uh, then the other sample is mobile. And those are under the age of 45. And then based on the demographic profile of whatever community you're studying or, uh, whatever state, um, you know, we will, we will collect a sample up to that, uh, specification that the demographic profile well in without giving away too much of the secret sauce i mean so someone comes to you and says i'd like to know this or be it a media outlet uh, we'd like to get a feel for the read in you know, the sixth congressional district which is a bad race but uh, a little bit of a teaser before we go to the commercial break i mean how do y'all what do you do once you get that call well, I mean, you know, the first step is uh, figuring out what we're actually looking at in the first place. So, you know, if it's a congressional district, then we need to build a turnout model and a demographic profile for that specific district or state or whatever it is. That's step one. Step two is actually building the surveys, building those instruments uh, so for the landline, we do use automated uh, polling for the landline. And so that consists of, uh, of dialing out to pre-selected registered voters or likely voters, and uh, they will hear a prompt and enter their choices on the keypad, and that's that. And that comes back to... Uh, the in-house server that I have right here. And uh, then for the mobile sample, the mobile component, that's a little bit more complicated. Uh, we have a system, we have an in-house system that um, will link up with uh, mobile, mobile networks, mobile sort of ad networks, um, after we have selected individual registered voters that we think should take the survey or that are likely voters that, um, that we want to attempt to contact, and they will take the exact same survey, but it will be on their smartphone and it will be visually. And the, so that's, uh, that's how that works. Well, and when you've got a, you know, one of the themes from the recent elections in Georgia was to yeah. flip the six. How do you identify where you've got large voter registration efforts underway? So you have folks who won't necessarily show up as registered voters because they haven't registered yet, right? But may not even be on your list as a as a likely voter. And that's tough. Um, there's not much you can do then. You know, we're not going to, for, for a lot of these, it's a, it's a judgment call. There are, 
There are others who will use random digit dialing, which you basically dial random numbers in the phone book, and if they're registered, then they take the poll. If they aren't, then they still take the poll. And that's <laughs> you know that that's how they do it. And most have abandoned that now, and so they, they've taken a page from campaign pollsters and use voter lists, usually pre-select uh, likely voters, and you're going to miss out on a lot of those newly registered voters or those who end up registering just before the deadline and voting. Well, there you go. Well, we're going to jump to our first uh, commercial break, but you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Chatting today with Matthew Towery of Opinion Savvy. And Matthew, first of all, thank you for keeping the cutoffs where you do so that some of us can still be on the mobile phone uh, polling list. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, as, as we were talking before about how uh, both when Opinion Savvy started in 2014, as well as kind of the, those midterm elections being really the transition, it, it was it something that you saw coming with the 2008, uh, you know, everyone always looks to the uh, President Obama's first campaign as the data-driven. Would you say that was kind of the precursor for some of this? Yeah, and I think I think even more so in 2012, that's when the Obama team really stepped up their operations and the Democratic Party overall. Um, that's that they've sort of been shopping out their their um their models and their data from 2012 ever since and um yeah i think um that that was especially a, a pretty big game changer as far as far as i know well in past buzz off shows we've looked at all the different 
Internet of Things devices that, you know, your everything from your coffee maker to Alexa to your to children's toys or collecting data and information and preferences and how you can uh, now you have to opt out rather than opt in it has the and you you mentioned before that the polling industry doesn't always keep up with the times is how is that kind of this this data data everywhere impacting your modeling you know you would think that it could that it would impact it more and like you said it's it's a it's an industry that is slow to change and i think that we should capitalize more on you know you mentioned internet of things and um, you know that would that's that's interesting there, there's a lot there that we could tap into and Nobody really has. Nobody's really tried to push the boundaries to include, you know, say, I don't know if you if you watch uh, the HBO show Silicon Valley, but uh, of course, it's okay. almost required watching. That, for okay, anyone. that's what I <laughs> that's what I figured. But you know, uh, Jin Yang buys the uh, smart bridge. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just that, that alone has, you know, the fact that you, that that's a screen that you stare at at least once a day, um, and that you interact with probably at least once a day. There's, there are so many possibilities as far as figuring out who you are, um, you know, what you think, what your preferences are how likely you are to engage in any type of political activity or public activity. Um, there's, so, there's so much there that we just haven't even begun to explore. I mean, I can almost envision something where you, you know, of course that's probably one of the big issues is keeping the the data is supposed to be anonymous on that's collected in certain things, but right. once you can start syncing up users' voting profiles to their devices, to their fridge, you know, if you are you more likely to, depending on the kind of beer you buy, vote a certain way or feel a certain way that I could see that kind of tracking, like, oh, well, Bud Light drinkers are more likely to do this. I don't know. How do you how do you see think, that information some, playing in? Yeah, some of that you know, some of that's definitely been done. That's that that is being done in market research, and you know, there's there's unfortunately not a lot of um, of uh, sort of sharing between between the industries between sort of the political and public type of uh, industries and the more Corporate-oriented market and marketing research. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the, there's just not not that much sharing. Um, you know, you, you mentioned voter data. Maybe it's some of it might actually be a good thing because you know we as as uh, 
professional researchers who have legitimate reasons for using voter data have access to vast amounts of voter data. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of powerful stuff there. And I routinely match individuals and their devices to their voter profile. So, you know, there is a lot of, um, there is a lot of power there that might not necessarily be good in the hands of corporations um, or any other sort of brand trying well, to market to you. I say, well, we thank you for using or wielding your power for the forces of good yeah. and not uh, going to the dark side. But uh, Sure. but it, And that's not to say that they couldn't. Uh, you know, the the marketers and the corporations, they certainly could. It's easy enough to track you based on your IP address. Uh, and while voter data is, is supposed, is meant for, for researchers, it's, uh, it's also not, not hard to get. Well, and it, it, it also does, as you noted, it puts some responsibility in the hands of those collecting it on both ends that, you know, secure what you have and the public trust of we're trusting that you're not going to, you know, that you're truly just using this for opinion tracking, not necessarily uh, for other nefarious or other purposes. Yeah, definitely. Neil, could you, what are some of the, I don't know, science fiction ways you could see the, the smart fridge example continuing through would it be uh sure take take our quick pull while you're waiting for your you know for your coffee yeah uh, and we'll provide starbucks points or something i mean yeah absolutely i mean that yeah you hit the nail on the head that's that's the way i see it at least you know um I mean, yeah, there are, of course, the sort of, we can build models off, you know, based off of, oh, well, you know, uh, certain data points that may not seem relevant, but are relevant and an increase in, in you know, certain X variable will, will uh, correlate to an increase in the chances that you'll turn out to vote or something. But I think... You know, in in the nearer future and in more sort of concrete terms, you're exactly right. It's going to be, or it it could be, uh, yeah. You're standing at your fridge, and as you're as you're waiting for for um, you know whatever automated drink to be dispensed, you uh, hey answer answer a couple questions while you wait. Yeah. Now, how would you, because some of that gets into too, as as you have delineated, okay, here's, here's a age cutoff for certain, you know, uh, telephone preferences, being a landline or how would you delineate some of that information? I mean, it doesn't seem necessarily if you have Raisin Bran in the, uh, 
covered, you're more likely to be, or how would you make those same distinctions? Do you think? Well, yeah, then that, you know, then we need to actually build a real model. That's where the statistics come in. So, you know, and a, a lot of that will be left to those who work with, with big data and, you know, vast, vast quantities of data to, um, process it, manipulate it, and then build a coherent model that that has some predictive capability. So, yeah, it might be that uh, with every one unit increase in beer consumption, uh, there is a there is a five percent increase in the chances that you'll uh, post something to Facebook or something like that. Well, we're, we're talking with Matthew Towery of Opinion Savvy. And so, Matthew, so what you're really saying is once my fridge realizes I have dispensed X percentage of the bottle of wine, uh, that's when the polling will kick in? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea. I just, uh, you know, will will want to pace myself accordingly. I guess. Yeah, and it and it might just be that that after that half bottle of wine, you know, we've seen a correlation that you are more likely to actually take the poll in the first place, <laughs> and that's that's good for everyone. Absolutely, unless uh, it is a particularly frustrating or the pricing, hey, you know, as the prices go up on certain, uh, you know, household goods or uh, things, is that does that impact? Well, well, there's been a tax increase recently, so we may want to stay away from polls this week. Or yeah, <laughs> um, and I, and you know, that's another thing that. You know, we typically don't really do, um, you know, think about the uh, externalities that might influence influence folks and, you know, other than conventional ones like not polling at a certain time or, or uh, you know, on a Sunday or whatever. I'll say, what is the other than 2 a.m. Uh, on any time, what is traditionally the worst time or worst response uh, or the nastiest response time that y'all found? Um, hmm. Well, you know, with, with, with the mobile polls, it's, it's, it's irrelevant because people, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, people can't really be hassled because, you know, even if it's, even if it's a notification, um, it's far less intrusive than being called. So, yeah, the we we have a rule that we do not call after nine p.m. And even though, te- depending on the state, technically we can, we don't. Um, but yeah, pe- people seem to be angrier on um, sort of weekend nights like Fridays. <laughs> Fr- people don't like being called on Fridays. That's it's not a good that, night to call. That I can understand. But then again, with our beer and wine correlation, that may change. But yeah. you're, we're going to jump to our...
final commercial break, you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and we've been talking today with Matthew Towery of Opinion Savvy on how the Internet of Things is changing not only our daily lives, but even the lives of political and uh, market researchers. And so pretty soon we'll be able to, you know, unlock the ability to take polls after having half a bottle of wine. (laughs) And uh, so, Matthew, obviously this one's a little further off, but... Is it really? I mean, where do you see the industry going from here? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how far off it is. It's 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 probably a ways, but you know, you already see campaigns using big data to build turnout models, to build donor models, to build you know all these different models for. Um, you know, have for optimizing their campaign. And I think we need to bridge the gap between, you know, those models and, um, you know, what we can learn from those with the opinion aspect of it and polling and, you know, t- taking cues at the same time from market and marketing research which already engages in this type of thing. So, you know, I think that has to happen before we can really get into, um, that might need to happen until we can get into sort of the Internet of Things uh, and and leveraging that technology. But, um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's that far off as long as the industry can, really make a commitment to innovating. Well, in some cases, is it really going to be the industry making a commitment or the customer demand? I mean, if that, if campaigns, be it political campaigns or, you know, business, uh, marketing or other just general opinion yeah. uh, research says, no, we 
we want to know across the board how this is impacted or uh, we want to be here because it's cheaper, better, faster, whatever. It, you have to be somewhat responsive. Yeah. I mean, the, the market definitely is moving in that direction, I think, and rightly so. You know, we've we've relied on this pretty, you know, kind of archaic, at least in in modern terms, and given you know everything that that especially tech companies um, can can uh, understand from your you know the most minute behaviors you have online and and using your smartphone and smart technology, etc. You know why? Why have we not tried to democratize that technology more and use that to the advantage of you know not not only polling and political campaigns, but but elsewhere where wherever we're we're trying to figure out what people are going to do, what people want. Um, well, and getting those accurate accurate reads on trends and you know that kind of stuff, being able to really see where things are going. It's, it, I think, politicians by mm-hmm. nature tend to be responsive, you know, yeah, not necessarily as revolutionary as one might think. So that will be. I mean, have you seen even in the customers that you're working with have you seen a change in approaches or preference for one model over another you know a bit i think i think you know it's sort of sort of baby steps and (laughs) (laughs) um uh you know i think the first the first baby step is to is uh you know our folks who you know don't don't uh don't necessarily think that the traditional live caller model is the is the way to go, and that it's intrinsically better than uh, any other methodology. That's the first step. The next step is embracing uh, alternative methods that you know um, that might have mixed methods like our own. Or that might be entirely online, like YouGov or SurveyMonkey, who have seen really great results, um, which you know spe- speaks not only to their their sampling techniques, but also their turnout models, because just as mu- as much, if not more so, um, turnout models are incredibly important, and you know I think that applies elsewhere again. Um, you know, aside from turnout, the model that you've developed for for people's behavior and what you think is going to happen—that's that's almost as important and sometimes more important than you know that actual that actual actual data that you collect from those from those folks. So, uh, yeah, that's the next step. And then the next step is is um, is like you said, cracking into the uh, the Internet of Things and um, uh, sort of more. Well, and I'm thinking yeah. exactly. I'm I'm imagining with you know 
not even necessarily autonomous vehicles, but as more and more of your cars are stuck in traffic, it just pops up on the screen. You're or you're entering in uh, you know, directions on ways, almost like a game. Like, okay, yeah. I yeah, you know, I see you're stuck at a red light. Would you like to answer a political poll right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But which may not be a, a good thing or a bad thing, depending on. Uh, I think transportation issues would be good to pull on while someone's stuck in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> or even at the bus stop, you know, I see you're and, taking the bus. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, we we pro- we probably wouldn't though, just because just because you know that that's uh, you're definitely going to bias the uh, the responses then. <laughs> You know, depending yes. on who you are and what you're uh, what you're looking for, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, and exactly. I mean, uh, how do you fight? I mean, obviously, you want to. Depending on who is engaging, uh, opinion savvy to run the. I mean, how do you avoid crafting the questions to get a realistic answer, not just what they wanted to hear? Well, you have to be as generic and mundane as possible and present as much as much sort of just neutral language as, as you can. The you know, sometimes questions can become a little bit long when you have to present every side, but it's worth it when you aren't introducing, you know, bias, you know, a significant source of bias when you can present, you know, all sides to the question. Well, the technology industry as a whole struggles with, when it gets to some of the public policy issues, taking these rather complicated topics and breaking them down. Yeah. Beyond the nuance that I certainly don't envy the reliable, responsible pollster's job of, okay, we have this very esoteric idea that somebody wants the opinion or, you know, wants a good uh, read on. How do we put it into people speak? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. And, you know, it can all be broken down. Sure, it can all be broken down into zeros and ones. But I think at a certain point, you have to have enough zeros and ones to actually account for what people are thinking. So it might end up being far more complex. One issue might be far more complex and require many more binary options than you may have anticipated. But they can still be broken down into zeros and ones at the end of the day. Well, what are some of the things that are ways you do? Because, I mean, you certainly have taken the lead on different uh, tech savviness on different projects. But how do you keep apprised of, hey, this would be a good partnership or I should keep an eye on this technology, this opportunity to advance or improve some of my methodologies? Yeah, that's a that's a tougher one. Um, you know, I I pay attention to the industry overall. I, I went to the um, APOR conference this past uh 
or I guess last month in New Orleans presented. Um, and that's the um, American Association for Public Opinion Research. Um, you know, unfortunately, they they don't have many answers right now because their previous model of live callers has sort of fallen apart, and um, you know, we're seeing that there's there's change. There's a lot of unknown. Um, so. I think it's a great time to engage in new things and try to keep an eye out for new things. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always just searching around and looking for, um, you know, what, whatever I think is going to be useful. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't like to just stick with sort of political stuff or political vendors, or anything like that, so, um, you know, you just you just got to look around. Um, so, yeah. So what do you think is going to be the next big upset, or be it a policy issue, or a campaign that uh, has anything popped up on your radar that, all right, I think, I think this is going to go a different way or, you know, there are some, he were just completely blown away by the presidential election because they, obviously they just weren't paying attention to the right uh, factors. What, what do you see as one of the, the next big uh, upsets? Oh man, that's tough too. Uh, next big upset. Or shocker. I- yeah, I don't know. I mean, twenty. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot in 2018. Obviously, um, you know, it's so far out that I don't know if I could even speak intelligently to it. <laughs> um, Which doesn't stop a lot of pollsters. Uh, I know, but you know, I just uh, I don't know. I think everyone should keep their minds open, though. Anything could happen, and overall. You know, we've seen polling perform pretty w- pretty well over the past year or so. I think people are learning. I think the industry's catching up. Um, you know, the French elections were a big success for the industry, I'd say. Well, now, how can where should people to go to find out more about uh, opinion savvy and your insights? Well, you can go to opinionsavvy.com. Um, and that's savvy with two V's. Two V's, yes. Uh, and elsewhere, you can—I don't know—take take a look around. Sometimes we're in the Washington Post. Sometimes we're in New York Magazine. Sometimes we're all over the place. It just depends. Excellent. Well, thank you, Matthew, for joining us. You've been listening to. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Thank you to America's Web Radio. Catch us next week on americaswebradio.com. And until then, I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.